This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Welcome back. The numbers once again, 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-740-4740. And May 4th, today, is Holocaust Remembrance Day in Canada. And, of course, the Holocaust refers to the slaughter of 6 million Jews by the Nazis during World War II. It was a very methodical and systematic murder. Jews were rounded up, confined to ghettos, then deported and sent to concentration camps where they were either used as slave labor or put to death in gas chambers or subjected to other travesties. This is very personal for me. My parents came here after surviving the war. Uh, The victims included my grandparents, five aunts and uncles, and lots of extended family that I don't even know about, frankly. Uh, For the Nazis, killing Jews uh, as part of the final solution, what they called the final solution, uh, was more important than other strategic objectives during the war. But Today, what is probably most shocking for me on this Holocaust Remembrance Day are the results of a worldwide poll. Only 54% of respondents are aware of the Holocaust. That means only 54% of people polled actually know that this happened. And the level of ignorance is highest among young people. Only 48% know about this cataclysmic world event compared to 61% of people over the age of 50. And of those who are aware, a third believe the very well-documented historical record of what happened. Another third, shockingly, believe that this is all very exaggerated. Now, to help us remember what happened on the line, I have Ellie Gotts, who was a Holocaust survivor who was in the notorious Dachau concentration camp, and Howard Dryman of the Jewish Federations of Canada. Gentlemen, welcome and thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Hello. Howard, uh, first of all, what do you want people to think about on this Holocaust Remembrance Day, and what is your reaction to those shocking numbers? Well, we want them to remember what happened because, um, as you said, we're seeing seeing a lot of um, venomous anti-Semitism around the world, reminiscent of what happened in the 1930s, giving great cause for concern. We would like to have believed that the Holocaust would never happen again, but we obviously cannot be complacent. And um, I'd I'd just quote uh, Canadian Supreme Court Judge Rosie Silberman-Abella, who said, if there are those who urge us to permit time to wipe away the horrors and forget the crimes of the past, they must be told with equal urgency that to forget the indignities and horrors of the past is to permit their recurrence. So that's why we feel it's so important to keep having programs like we're having uh, tonight and others during the year, because um, we don't want people to forget and to have the Holocaust just um, become something that happened you know, long ago and that nobody remembers. And as well, we have the problem that, you know, in years to come, we won't have eyewitnesses to talk about the Holocaust like Ellie. 
So it's all the more important that we keep the memory alive. It, and we are going to get to uh, Ellie in uh, a second. I know that a lot of our listeners uh, probably remember all of the events of the Second World War very clearly. Uh, I hope so anyway, and uh, we would like to hear from them. 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. And Ellie Gotts, uh, tell me a bit about your experiences during the Holocaust. Well, I spent four years in concentration camps. And uh, <clears throat> the last one, the last year was in Dachau. And I worked on a huge construction site. So uh, four years uh, affected my education until I managed to get out. I was 13 when I came in, and I was 17 when I came out. But I managed to become an engineer later. And you were very lucky to to survive, of course. So you were kept alive because uh, you were young and strong and able to work? I was kept alive because I was working on a construction site and uh, but they didn't keep us alive because a third of our camp died of hunger and starvation and uh, disease so it was just a matter of chance I was a qualified mechanic when I came into Dachau so I had a you were a qualified mechanic at the age of 16 yes I was already teaching school in the ghetto in Kaunas Hovno in Lithuania yeah I was teaching metal work. And, so, and, and that probably was your ticket to survival. Absolutely. It helped me a great deal, and it saved my father's life because I got him into the workshop where I was working. Uh, it's, it, you know, it, it, Dachau, uh, you said a, a third of the inmates at Dachau uh, died of starvation and disease. Uh, Dachau was notorious uh, also for medical experiments, weird medical experiments being performed on the prisoners. Yes, um, I have read the history, but I was not. I was only liberated in the central camp Dachau, which is a granddaddy of all concentration camps. But I was in one of the many camps outside, Außenlager, they called it, and I was in camp number one, Dachau, Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, we were working on construction of a huge building, a uh, half-kilometer-long building. To The hope was by the Germans to build Messerschmitt jet fighter planes in that building, and it should be bomb-proof. Mm-hmm. So our people worked on the construction. Mm-hmm. Uh, tell me a little bit about the, the run-up. You, you were in Kovno... Did you, when you were there, believe that it would, the the kind of danger that you were in? Uh, we were in a ghetto. They called it ghetto. Later it became a concentration camp officially. And out of 20,000 Jews that came into the ghetto, 8,000 was there three years later because they killed 10,000 people. Um, Helmut Rauka is known to Canadians because he was here in Toronto. He lived for 32 years free. And he was in charge of the murder operation when they killed 10,000 people on the 29th of October, 1941, in Kovno. So mm. half of us remained in the ghetto, and later others were killed. Mm-hmm. And again, my, my question is, uh, when you were in the ghetto, uh, did you understand the magnitude of the danger? Because I know that you know, there were a lot of people uh, who just... D- didn't accept we accepted it fully we knew that we will not survive 
we were quite certain of it because 10,000 out of the 20,000 were killed on one day on the ninth fort just outside the city of Kovno with machine guns and their bodies were thrown in long trenches. So we knew that this is our fate. And in fact, when the, when the Germans announced three years later, when the Russian army came very close to Kovno, that they are going to liquidate the ghetto, we assumed that we would be killed. So we went into a basement, my whole family, my parents and I, I was an only child, and uh, my uncles and aunts, and we decided if they find us, we will commit suicide. So we were sitting in front of my mother's needles, my mother's injection. Uh, my mother was a nurse in the surgery, and she was prepared to inject us all and give us a heart attack if they find us. But they didn't find us. And then we came out and we went to the train because we were surprised there was a train. And we went to Dachau. Oh, okay. That's a horrible story. Yeah. Uh, um, Howard, um, uh, what do you, I mean, uh, I'm sure, Ellie, do you speak in schools or anything like that? You're asking me, Howard. Uh, yeah, do you do you uh, arrange for uh, other survivors to oh, to speak? Oh, for sure, we have a whole. Um, well, we have a lot of survivor speakers who speak at the Holocaust Center in Toronto. In fact, Ellie has just been talking to a school group this morning. We have usually about two lots of school groups per day come in, and our survivors speak in a lot of venues in the city and even beyond the city. Ellie travels all over Canada actually talking, so they are really are. You know, the, the survivor speakers are our treasured, treasured resource at the Holocaust Center. And, uh, I mean, it won't be that long before there are, there are now few survivors, isn't that right? Well, unfortunately, obviously, there's, it's diminished. I mean, at one point we had about 60 on our regular sort of roster, and today it's, it's far fewer. And, you know, a lot of them are, are getting you know, older and not able maybe to speak like they used to. So we have to face this in the future and have, you know, recordings of them and uh, find other ways to, to, to sort of keep the torch alive and tell the story. Mm-hmm. And what are some of those other ways? Well, the best way we have is, is video testimonies, yeah. um, and which Ellie's been very involved in doing and digit. You know, we've had a lot of them which Ellie's been digitizing. Um, that is really the main resource and, you know, just teacher education um, I don't really. I don't. I think those those are really the main ones that we can do. We also organize uh, teachers from high schools to travel and on a supported trip by by the federation, yes. uh, by our Holocaust Center to travel to Europe. They go to Poland and other places in, in Germany to see uh, the various concentration camps. And I know from the teachers that I meet uh, that they are very impressed when they. Go. They never forget it. What they see when they go to Auschwitz, for example. I'm taking 30 university students um, to Berlin and Auschwitz this month. You know, um, one of the things that I found uh, very moving when I visited uh, Germany, and for a long time, I kind of really didn't want to go, was was uh, the manner in which they commemorate the Holocaust and the seriousness with which they take it. And uh, I was there a couple of years ago, and it was in the summertime, and they had uh, groups of school children going through the Holocaust 
memorial on what I assume is their vacation, large groups. And they had another uh, exhibit that that was, I found, quite fascinating. And um, it was, they had these kind of uh, tubes with pictures of people on street corners where they would have worked. And they talked about, you know, people who were Berliners, who were, you know, missing, you know, this was this person and, and this is what they did and they were missing because of the Holocaust. And I found it uh, incredibly effective and, and uh, really, I have to take my hats off to the, to the German people. They've taken responsibility for this and, and made a commitment to uh, make sure that people remember. And yeah, I would say the other thing that we do, too, is there's the March of the Living trip, which is for predominantly high school students, but there's also contingencies of young adults and adults, which, and this actually takes place every year. Um, tomorrow is actually the day when they do a, a three-kilometer march in Auschwitz to commemorate the, it's effectively, we call it, it's called the March of the Living, but it commemorates the death marches that the, um, that the survivors had to endure and, you, and Canada actually has the largest contingency in the world of students who go on this trip. But they come from all over the world. There's a huge contingency in Poland right now. And and sometimes they go with family members. I mean, I, you know, I don't know how many, uh, again, survivors would be up for that at this point. But sometimes they travel back with, you know, grandparents. And But apart from the families, every every bus that goes has a survivor on, with, the, with, the, with the kids on the bus. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, what is the theme of this year's Holocaust Remembrance? The theme for this year is struggling to maintain the human spirit during the Holocaust. It's a, the theme is um, dictated by Yad Vashem, the Holocaust um, Museum in Jerusalem. And they, they set it every year, and we, we follow it. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, really, it's all-encompassing, struggling to maintain the human spirit. It covers really all, all aspects of survival, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, people who did incredible things made beautiful art uh, under these horrible conditions. Right, right. Uh, we only have a few seconds left. Uh, what do you want to leave us with on this Holocaust Remembrance Day? Is that for me? Um, for both of you. Let's start with Ellie then. We only have a few seconds left. I would like to tell people that to hate is like taking poison and hoping that the other would die. And that comes from Buddha. Okay. And uh, Howard, very quickly? Just to remember what happened and to make sure and do your best to perpetuate that it won't, that, that won't be perpetuated and not, not to be a bystander, to take action if you see something, even if it's something little, you know, like bullying, whatever, but to, to do something. Don't just sort of turn a blind eye. Okay. That Gent- is why I speak to, to thousands of students every year, 10,000 students a year. And thank you for doing that. It's very important work. <clears throat> and thank you both for your contribution today. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. 
Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.